Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 228 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Jenny Williams. Jenny lives in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and she is an artist, a writer, a podcaster, and if she didn't have enough to do, she is a homeschooling mom. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you. You know, I love to talk to other authors and podcasters and, of course, intermittent fasters. We'll get into all of that as a part of our story today because I I look, you know, I love as a teacher, I love to hear the creative stuff. Oh, yeah. Yes. That'll be be coming. We'll definitely talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Okay, so I'll start where intermittent fasting literally entered my life and then kind of because it it kind of surprised me. I wasn't really looking for it. And then I'll kind of back up and give you a little more background because I once I started, I realized how much I needed it. So I'll just drop in where the same place where where I discovered it. So (laughs) so I had literally heard about it from my mom. I was at my parents' house and I was pregnant at the time. And my mom was just sharing like this thing that she had just started and she was really excited about it. And she just she said, I bet you would love it. I mean, you can't do it when you're pregnant or breastfeeding. So it'll be a while. But just and then just kind of told me it's just like basically you just you don't eat and then you do. And I I mean, at first at first I was like, okay, well, that sounds sensible. If you want to lose weight, don't eat. But my first question was <laughs> that well, I'm laughing because <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you just said it sounds sensible. Don't eat if you're trying to lose weight. But like the conventional wisdom over the past couple of decades has been eat, 
six small meals to lose weight. I know. That's what I just made me laugh anyway. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's true. No, because my first (laughs) my first question to her was, well, won't that wreck your metabolism? I mean, that was, you know, I had heard that, too. Like, you you don't just not eat. That will ruin everything. (laughs) (laughs) And she like said, no, actually, like it'll and kind of explained the insulin thing to me. And it just it made a lot of sense. I hadn't that was all I knew about it, but just kind of put it in my back pocket and didn't think about it again for a while. Uh, and then I remember like, fast forward, I had had this is our second daughter. So this was 2018. I had my daughter at the end of 2018. So 2019, I had a newborn baby and a three-year-old. And I remember I was in our kitchen just making food for a toddler who I mean, any mom of young kids know, like you're just making food all the time. It's true. (laughs) And right after breakfast, you've cleaned everything up. Then they come in and say, when's lunch? Or is it lunch time now? Yes. And think about this. They need to eat. Newborns and toddlers need to eat frequently because they're building a body. Yes. Right. Yeah. They are trying to build a body. Uh-huh. So they need frequent feedings. <laughs> whereas when we are no longer trying to grow a body, we don't need Right. <laughs> it's different. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I was eating, I think I was making myself breakfast too at the same time. So it just, I just, and it felt like just a lot. And I also had, I work from home. I have an online shop that I run from home. And I was trying to get some work done with that too. And I just had this moment of how is it that our bodies were designed to eat this much food and still we are required to get work done? Like how, how does this make any sense? Like we're, we have to like, really, like we're just going to fall down dead if we don't eat constantly. And obviously like you're saying kids need to eat and that's fine. But I just thought like if, and then that's when I remembered the intermittent fasting. Yeah. My mom had said, and I thought like, if I could just eliminate how much I eat and how much food preparation I do for myself, that would just, it just sounded so appealing to me. So she gave me her book that was Delay, Don't Deny at the time. I've since read Fast, Feast, Repeat and loved both of them. I'm so glad. Yes. So Delay, Don't Deny was super fun. I think I read it in like 24 hours. And the thing is, like, I had never really struggled with my weight. So this is kind of where I'll go back to the beginning. So for me, intermittent fasting was introduced or I guess the part that was most appealing to me was that it was a time management tool. It yeah. just, I just all of a sudden was like, uh, could just visualize what my life could look like. And then also just knowing that fasting isn't doing you harm. Cause I might've been tempted to just not eat before, but I never would have done that thinking that I would ruin my metabolism or. <laughs> because of what we've been told, right? right. We were, they, they sold that message to us yes. so well. <laughs> I know, I know. And then once I started looking back, Anyway, so now I'll go back to the past. So, okay, like everybody else born on the planet, I was born <laughs> an intuitive eater. And I, but right. I can remember and also just watching my children. I'm so fascinated by like they put something up to their mouth and then set it down and they have like two bites left on their plate. And my daughter will just be like, I'm done. And it's just amazing. like, wow. An adult See, would Chad say- <laughs> still does that. Yeah. Chad never stopped doing that. Like I, wow. the other night, he left literally two bites on his plate. And I'm like, every time he does it. I mean, he does it all the time. But I'm always like, really? Wow. Like, okay. Because I'm like, I'm going to eat those last two bites. I yes. Just, I, I still eat them. If it's on your plate, you must still be hungry. Kind of. <laughs> unless there's a lot. Like if there's a whole lot on my plate yeah. then I, and I'm full, I'll stop. But if it's two bites, I'm like, what, are you a quitter? No. I know. <laughs> I just... But Chad's like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> but it's amazing. So they, they just put it down. Yeah. But I actually remember the moment in my life when I kind of stopped doing that, when I questioned that natural gift, really. So I was in ballet all growing up. And in high school, I remember this moment of, I wish I could remember like all the context exactly. But I know that for whatever reason... I saw myself in the mirror, turned at a certain angle, and I could kind of see like my hip bone. And I just thought, like, I wonder if I'm too thin. And I was like 16 years old, an active teenager. Right. That was just kind of a weird thought to pop into my head. But I don't know if it was just the the ballet world or what. I don't want to say anything bad about that because I had a great experience. But just I right. I had comments about my appearance in a way that made me feel like you might be too thin. Yeah, or just that. Yeah, and like. Like that was making other people feel uncomfortable somehow. And I didn't want that attention. So I don't know how, I mean, I haven't psychoanalyzed it all, but like that was part of it. Maybe I just wanted to eat more. I don't know. But I remember from that 
point on just kind of eating a little bit more like and it was mainly dessert it wasn't like I was eating more healthy foods it was like right I would go home from ballet and have a bowl of ice cream even though I didn't you know I wasn't starving but I wasn't full and and then so that was the end of high school and then going in when I moved away for college that was the first time that I had ever not eaten my mom's cooking and I started eating more campus food and in that first year just that switch of eating food that wasn't that great. I And I think it was just loaded with MSG. Something oh, in yeah. my body just reacted horribly. And I I didn't gain a whole lot of weight, but I just like puffed up and my skin looked Lots terrible. Lots of inflammation. Yes, yes, it was definitely inflammation. And looking back at pictures, I can totally see. I just looked rounder. It wasn't yeah. necessarily heavier. It was just like not very healthy. My eyes weren't bright. My skin did not look good. And that was really the first time in my life that I really made a correlation between the food I was eating and how I felt. So that was a really good lesson for me to learn because I remember calling my mom and saying, like, I don't know what to eat. I can't. I, I, I'm at a, <laughs> I don't know, but this isn't it. <laughs> yes, this is not it. And she told me, well, like eggs are cheap. Canned salmon is great. And so like, kind of moving on to like, cleaner foods that and you know could fit my college budget. So I just remember eating a lot better and cleaner and feeling really great. And a lot of that inflammation went away and I just started to feel and look better moving forward. But all that to say, I kind of, I kind of struggled with this idea that I wasn't sure if I could trust my body anymore. I mean, I feel like I did for the most part, but there was always something, especially as I was trying to eat better. I mean, even if you're not looking into diet culture, you still get some of those things. Like when you're learning about what foods to eat, they'll say, you'll read something like, you really should be getting this many grams of protein a day. And, or like, you really should, maybe you're not eating enough. You should be eating this many calories. And I hadn't really worried about that in the past, but all of a sudden I thought like, maybe that's why I have this issue or whatever. Like maybe I'm not. And I remember trying to eat a hundred grams of protein one day because I read that I should. And it did not feel good. I, it was for my body type. I just I've learned my I don't need a lot of protein. I'm to, the same to way. Feel good. You needed a certain amount, but you're right. You know, people are, are always like, I've heard you got to cram it in. How am I going to do that? I'm like, your body will let you know. Yes. You yeah. know, when I was I had COVID in the fall and I really just didn't want to eat meat like whatever. Mm-hmm. I, when I was when I had it, meat was not attractive to me at all. So I just didn't eat it. But after I completely recovered, like for about a week, all I wanted was meat. Uh huh. Like yeah. I ate so much meat. I'm like, what am I doing eating all this meat? But I was craving meat like never before. And then that was mm-hmm. done. Yeah. I guess my body needed something to repair in there. But I just don't feel great when I eat too much, mm-hmm. just like you said. And yeah. people would think that sounds crazy, but my body knows, your body knows. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. So that's one of the things about intermittent fasting, just knowing that you can finally trust those instincts. Right. So for me, that was huge. Anyways, after college, um, when I started working, my first real job. I've heard you talk about this, or maybe it was in your book, but just the comments in the workplace <laughs> from coworkers. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know. Like people would just always comment on if they didn't think I had enough food on my plate, if it was a social, you know, meeting that had food on it, or if I wasn't eating the cake, the birthday cake, they would just say, like, Well, why aren't you eating that? And I would just say, Oh, I'm not hungry. And and one person one time said to me, like, well, we're actually people are worried that you might be anorexic. I'm like, oh, uh, come on. Like, like if you <laughs> I eat, you see me eat. We have lunch together. I don't know why those comments were made, but it's just like little things like that that kind of make you second guess see, yourself. That's super irritating. That is so rude. Everyone listening, listen know, to yeah. our advice. Do not tell someone <laughs> they're eating too much or too little. Either one. Mind your own business <laughs> when it comes to how much someone is eating. I know. Honestly. I, I don't understand it. And there was one moment when I was helping pass out the birthday cake, you know, that like the weekly birthday cake because someone's always having a birthday. And I passed it to someone and he said, oh, no, no, no. And everyone looked at me like I was crazy. And I looked around like, what? Like, I'm just offering. Peter cake. And they all said, Peter doesn't eat sugar. And it was like this, I just kind of had this moment of like, oh, well then why aren't you bugging Peter about that? <laughs> like, yeah. Why am I getting all this unwanted attention? Anyway, so I just thought like, well, that would be nice if you could just say, have a, an answer like that where people just yeah. leave you alone. 
We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by by Optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. I'm still going through my mind, like, if you were anorexic, let's just say that you were. Yeah. Like, are th- is them asking you that going to be helpful? No. Right. I mean, there's no point in time when a coworker is going to, like, help you with I know. your mental health struggles just by making comments. Oh, I was. I didn't know. But now that you mention it, I'm going to quit. Thank you. I mean. Right. And I spend anyway, a lot of time outside of work and you yeah. don't see that part of my life. And like, right. trust me, I'm eating. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just, yeah. Anyway, so once intermittent fasting did enter my life, it was just a huge relief for me on so many levels. And just being able to, knowing that I wasn't harming myself by not mm-hmm. eating, just you know, giving me that permission to listen to my body and know that a lot of good is actually happening in that fasting period was so refreshing. And all the other, what you call no, non-scale victories, there are just so many of them. I, I had so much more energy. My skin looked really great just shortly into fasting and yeah, just the energy and also learning about intuitive exercise too. I always, there's always that wondering, like, should I be exercising more? What's that balance? And always questioning, like, maybe I should be, maybe I should start running. And now I'm just (laughs) like, no, I know my body. I am not a runner, but what I do love is walking and jumping on my rebounder. I know you love that too. (laughs) Me too. We got the same, the same exercise. Yes. Do you love rollerblading? Because I love rollerblading. Do you know, I don't know when the last time I've ever, have I ever rollerbladed ever, actually? Or roller skated? Like, I was roller skating back yeah. in the day. Yes. So I don't know. I don't think I've ever rollerbladed. I've ice skated, which is, okay. I guess, probably a similar yeah. feel. Yeah, it's very but, similar. And I, I did enjoy it. Yeah. So you like to rollerblade? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. And I think, yeah, or dancing, anything that just doesn't feel like actually working exactly. out. Exactly. It feels like fun. <laughs> yeah. My hula hoop, my, yeah, all of that. The, yes. the rebounder feels fun. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 Walking is just the best, though. When yeah. It's a beautiful day. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, just getting permission on all kinds of levels, how to eat, you know, not worrying about if I'm exercising enough and all of that was really wonderful. And I love that you put the word intuitive with exercise. I don't know that I've ever heard those used together. You know, we, we yeah. talk about intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. Are people talking about intuitive exercise or did you just pop that out there? I don't know if I heard that. You might have invented it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it different. totally makes sense, maybe. But yeah. it, it really, really makes sense. You know, my body lets me know when I need to get up and move around as well. Yeah. And I think some exercises really, or yeah, some methods of exercising really just are too hard on some bodies. Some bodies yeah. aren't built for certain things. And just knowing that is is nice. You don't have to try the next 
the hardest thing that's happening. Just because your friend is doing it and loves it doesn't mean you're going to right. love it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you can certainly try it, but you, <laughs> that's all right. So it was 2019, you said, that you started? Yes. And did you need to lose any weight? I know you had mentioned that you had just had a baby. Yes. So this was eight months after I'd had a baby. And just like with my first one, the weight just, I gained, I gained the same amount with all my pregnancies. I just gained 35 pounds and then it just, it slowly comes up, very, very gradually comes off. And I just try not to worry about it too much. But at this point I had, I had like six pounds left to lose, which is kind of the frustrating it's like if you can lose those last few pounds, then your wardrobe fits again. So it's more of right. like a practical, <laughs> like I just I want my that. clothes to fit. Yeah. So I only had about six pounds to lose, but I ended up losing a little bit more than that, which was, it was nice to see. I kind of, I ended up being close to where my high school body left off, which was interesting mm-hmm. to me. And I just felt like I felt really, but it wasn't just like seeing that number on this scale. Cause I, I don't think it's the same number as it was, you know, it, it meant different things. And the best part was just that I felt like my old self and there's nothing not, that, you know, you can't beat that. No, you really can't. Yeah. There's, there's no better feeling than being in your body and feeling good in it. Yes. And we, we need to disconnect that from a number on a scale or a number on a on a clothing label mm-hmm. because yeah. if you had like that number and you're like, I'm not going to be happy till I see that number, yeah. you may never see that number, whatever it might be, but you just need to feel good in your body. And you actually got lower than that number that you had in mind. Yes. So I'm now only 11 weeks postpartum from our third baby. And so this was- Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm hoping my brain continues to work because I'm definitely in that postpartum yeah, uh, phase hormonal. But yeah, yeah, sleep deprived, all of that. <laughs> but so right now, I'm you know I have 25 pounds that I am not used to that I need to lose, but it's I'm not worried about it. I mean, I'm you know can get a little impatient about it, but it's just I know it will take time, and I know that IF is waiting for me when I'm ready. And again, I'm not I'm not worried like oh, what am I going to start torturing myself to whip my body back into shape, you know? And I. Mm-hmm. I see that a lot in postpartum like forums and things where people are just like they're so ready to get that weight off. They'll do anything. And I just oh, your body's still healing. There's just so much it needs to do to it's just not ready. Well, and I mean, a lot (laughs) went on during that, you know, during the during the pregnancy. Your body was growing a human. Yes. And and then, you know, childbirth is no easy matter. Yeah. <laughs> I will say one thing. So when I, I was really curious and I'm sure other people are too, if they haven't gone through this. So I was intermittent fasting and then I got pregnant and I was one, I, you know, you know, you're not supposed to fast while you're pregnant, right. but my thought was like, well, what's going to happen? Like, am I just going to start like eating when I'm not hungry? And I was really curious to see how that worked, but it was really weird. Like shortly after I found out I was pregnant, I just started getting hungrier and hungrier, like hungrier earlier and earlier, naturally. So before you even knew you were pregnant, you were starting to get hungrier. I think, yes. I think, yeah, actually that is true. Yes. And then when I found out, yeah, then it made sense. And then I just kind of watched my window get lower and lower. Not a window anymore, but you know, like I thought. Right, but you you started to get hungry earlier in the day than you used to. Yeah. And then by, you know, a few weeks later, I was getting up and eating breakfast. And it was just, it was crazy. Like, wow, my body is still on my team. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Like it's still doing, it's still working for me. So that was really interesting to me too. You didn't have to force feed yourself breakfast just because you didn't want to do intermittent fasting. Right. You naturally were hungry for it. Yeah, because your body knows you're growing a human. And yeah. yeah, like, you know, just in case. Well, yeah, your body's ready to just gain these Sending you those hunger and, signals. Yeah. You need some more food. Yes. <laughs> I love that so much, <laughs> hearing that from you, because I have often wondered that myself. You know, I was completely done with childbearing by the time I did intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, had I learned about it early, like you, early in my still in my childbearing years, I agree it would be hard to stop. Yeah. Even though, you know, yes. you've got to build the baby. But knowing that your body sent you gentle hunger mm-hmm. and you didn't feel terrible, yeah. you just ate. Yeah. And I also just decided, like, this is this is probably our last child. I, I just really want to enjoy. I'm never going to go back to eating this much <laughs> during the day. So I just really tried to enjoy it and not worry about it. And if I got hungry right before bed, I had a snack and enjoyed it and and yeah, it was just, it wasn't like, oh no, I'm going to have to lose all this later or anything like that. 
That's great. That, yeah. that was a great a great way to feel. So did you gain the same amount of weight with this pregnancy as you did, did with the others? I that, thought so because you yeah. mentioned that you did. Yes. I wondered if I was like, well, maybe I'll have better habits and I'll gain more. But nope, my body just, this is, <laughs> this is what it you does. Gain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you're all, you're 11, 11 weeks postpartum. Tell us about your yes. baby. Oh, well, I'm biased, but I think he's pretty cute. But I'm sure he's yeah. very cute. I'm sure if you were, yeah, unbiased people would also think he was the cutest I baby so in the world. Too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he's happy and healthy and are definitely our easiest baby yet. So I don't know how much IF did for that. But um, I do think that intermittent fasting definitely balanced my hormones. That was one of the first things I noticed. I just felt really balanced. I, that's the, only, the best word I can think of. I just felt good all the time. And so I could tell that that inner healing was going on as well. So I don't know if that kind of prepared for a better pregnancy or a healthier baby or anything like that. But I would bet so. I, you know, because I really think about my two pregnancies and how different they were. And and I wasn't as as healthy my second pregnancy, and it was very very different. Hmm. So I, I think that you know you can take care of yourself really really well does show up and yeah after the baby's born because Will was born and I'm pretty sure he had gut issues. I talked about this in Cleanish, but you know he had thrush, he was very fussy, and then he had you know issues. But I'm pretty sure he had gut issues based on my terrible diet. Oh <laughs> during wow. pregnancy. Yeah. Because I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing way back then. Yeah, but that's yeah. We can all look back, and there's something that yeah, we'd want to change. Yeah, we would do yeah. things differently, yeah. but you can't. Like, I don't feel any guilt for it mm-hmm. because I didn't know what I know now. Yes. If I could go back in time, I would do it differently, but I can't. Right. With the same knowledge I know now, but wouldn't that be nice? We right. Would... But that's how life works. <laughs> you live <laughs> that and learn. <laughs> exactly how life works. And so, I just advise people not to have any guilt about any of the things they did when they didn't know better. Yes. Maya Angelou says it really well. When you know better, you do better. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. So he, how's he sleeping? He's doing. He's sleeping really well. Again, the best sleeper, or at least better than our our last our middle child. So yeah, I'll put him down at like 10 and he sleeps until like five or six usually, which is, that's all. I mean, that's, yeah, nothing to sneeze at at this point. No, definitely <laughs> not. Mine, mine were not great sleepers, especially Cal. It took him four and a half months to even like sleep through the night one time. Oh man. Yeah. He liked to visit with me in the middle of the night. Oh, does that reflect his personality now? Is he a chattier? <laughs> he, yes, he really, really is. Yeah. I, I think so. So yeah, really it's true. The way they come out is really like, you already know how he's going to be. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's fun to yeah imagine what, yeah, what they're going to be like. So how has intermittent fasting changed the way you you feed your kids? You said you have a daughter who's seven. Mm-hmm. Has it changed anything with the dynamics there? Because she was, how old was she when you started? She was three and a half. I mean, she was four. I guess she was four, four. years old. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know if it's changed that much other than I am a more patient mom feeding them because yeah. it's just, it's too hard to be making a nutritious meal for yourself and then also getting them food. But I heard someone on a podcast episode recently say like, this is the mom superpower. And I definitely feel like that's true. Cause now if we are like going, we're going to be out in the morning, I'll pack their lunch and then I'll just have my coffee or water. And I just feel super energized the whole time and they're eating their food and I'm able to just be there for them and um, cater to all their needs without feeling like I'm depriving myself or, you know, not getting this moment to enjoy my food. And then I get to look forward to going home and making myself what I want to eat and eating it in peace. <laughs> Absolutely. That is great. It really is the mom's superpower. Again, I wish I could go back in time. And <laughs> I know, I know. I'm so grateful that I discovered this or that it was presented to me at this stage of my life. It's just, it's such a lifesaver. Absolutely. So how about your mom? Is she still doing it? Oh, yeah, she is. Yeah, she and my dad both. Also, my sister and her brother-in-law. So this is all the family that lives in town. So we're all we all see each other a lot. And when we are together, we eat a lot of food and feel really great about it. (laughs) I love that. I know. Yeah, yeah. You should have my mom on the show. She has a really fun story. But yeah, she does. She and my dad eat have a like a lunchtime window where they eat all their meal right there. But yeah. So they both do it at lunchtime. Mm hmm. Well, that's great having having them both doing it together and having the same window. That's yes. very helpful. Yes, yeah. I imagine are they retired? They yes, just recently. Yes, oh. yeah. 
Chad is retiring. I don't know if you've heard me say that yet on the oh, show. Oh, wow. no, I haven't. I, I've, I've, I know I have said it on the show, but uh-huh. I don't think the ones I said it on are out yet. So. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so people who are listening are like, well, I heard you say it, but those aren't out yet as of today. We're recording this in April. Yeah. But yes, Chad is retiring. Oh, that's exciting. At the end of this year, at the school year, which, and again, it's, we're recording this in April. So like Monday is his last class. It'll be May by, by Monday, but in then he's wrapping it up, his last exams, and we're moving to the beach. Are you really? Oh, wow. Yes. I didn't know that. I know. It's very exciting. That yeah. is. Oh, that's a, a lot of big changes. <laughs> it really is. Yes. Today we closed on the new house that we're moving to, and we still have three weeks. Well, no, a month. In a, in one month, we're going to move in three weeks, but in one month, we're closing on this one that we're in now. So That's the very exciting. Are, are, are taking possession in a month. So yeah, it's a lot though, moving to another town yeah. and another state. Moving at all. With is... all of our stuff yeah. that we've accumulated. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, we have yeah. so much stuff. I know. You never know how much you have until you move. Yeah. It's true. And we're having a big estate sale, moving sale. Okay. So it's like amazing. These ladies are going to come in and just like manage everything I don't want to take with me. Oh, that's nice. So I'm looking at my belongings in a different way because they're going to sell them. Uh So I'm like, I don't need that. I don't need that cake plate. I don't uh-huh. need that whatever it is. I don't even bake that kind of cake anymore. You know, so it's fabulous. Keep that in mind if you ever, you know, 20 years from now when you're ready to yeah. <laughs> make some changes or however long it is. But it, it does feel liberating. Well, I love that all of your whole family, your mom, your dad, your sister, and your brother-in-law all do intermittent fasting. That makes it easy. Yeah. And my husband, too. I didn't mention him, but yeah. And your husband. Yes. Yeah. How about your eating window? When When's your eating window? Well, it's it feels like a thing of the past. I know I'm, I'll be doing it more, you know, since I've just come out of pregnancy. Right. But it was about I would open it around one or two o'clock and then close it around seven. So it's pretty much OMAD because I would open with mm-hmm. a light snack and then mm-hmm. have a big meal. And I kind of noticed that I've heard a lot of other people say this, too, but I would eat like some days I would eat a really big meal. And then the next day I would just I would feel like I was just kind of snacking during the window and it just kind of balanced it out. Some days I was starving and some days I didn't feel like I needed as much. And I did have to tweak a little bit because I started with a daily window of 18.6 or was it? No, 16.8. And that was I thought was really easy. So it it pretty Mm -hmm. gradually shifted to a 19 hour fast with a five hour eating window. So I did, I did a little bit of tweaking to see what worked. And I, one thing I found was that opening with like more breakfasty, like carb, like sweeter foods would not set me up for, I would just, I wouldn't be as hungry later on and I wouldn't enjoy the bigger meal. Oh, that's interesting. So when you ate, when you started with carby, sweet kind of things, like mm-hmm. bre- like breakfasty like kind of stuff. Or, yeah. It filled you up really, really well, and you weren't hungry later. Yeah, and it just kind That's of took so the fun away. I think it would be the opposite for me. Really? Yeah, I was expecting you to say then you were starving, and it made your window hard. Oh. Uh, and then you said the opposite. That's, <laughs> you know, we're all different when it comes to how our bodies respond to food. Yeah, it's true. So then I switched to more like eggs and vegetables kind of thing, and uh, or just a small salad. And then I would feel like I could enjoy having a dinner easier but or more but it was great timing for the pandemic too because I started in 2019 and then right 2020 happened and it was really nice to have that structure of like my all day just you know we focused on doing work and then our day revolved around the evening meal together and it was usually outside and I got I was in, in a phase where I was experimenting with homemade pizza and oh yum yeah oh man love pizza me too so it was just really fun to just feel like you could really enjoy that meal and yeah, appreciate it. I love it. So have your tastes in food changed at all? I don't, not drastically. It sounds like you always had like high quality tastes from your college experience. That's what that showed us. You didn't yeah. like to eat the junkie. Right. Yes, that's true. Although, yeah, yeah. I'd say maybe I eat less sugary things or at least I just prefer like natural sugars like honey and maple syrup feel just better to my body. Now I have noticed that. I, that was That's true. That's one thing that I, I noticed when I ate like processed sugar that I would feel like irritable the next day. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't feel, I'd feel kind of angry. <laughs> and I finally like made the connection that it was related to sugar. So I do, I have learned that my body really doesn't like processed sugar. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And making that connection and saying, you know, do I want to feel angry tomorrow? Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> do I want my kids to have to deal with me like that? <laughs> Cranky mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you don't have that same feeling if you have like honey or maple syrup. Right. Or the natural. Yeah. My body just, yeah, 
process that a lot differently. You see, and I think that's so important because, I mean, not everybody's the same. Somebody might have trouble, you know, maybe they don't handle honey or maple syrup or anything with sweetness. Mm -hmm. But so many people make blanket statements like any sweet is bad. Right, right. But you very clearly can tell a difference between honey and maple syrup for your body yeah. mm-hmm. versus somebody who says, well, for me, honey and maple syrup are just as bad. That's probably true if yeah. they feel that way as well. But, you know, when, when we make the blanket statements, you know, like no one should ever eat any honey or maple syrup because it's all the same in the body. It isn't. Right. Yeah. Because those natural things, they they come with different enzymes that are, you know, come with them through the you know, the natural processes that, that occur mm-hmm. and they're not as refined. Yeah. Yeah. They even have like vitamins and minerals, like maple syrup has got minerals in it. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I feel like if before intermittent fasting, I wouldn't have noticed that or I, mm-hmm. I just would have talked myself out of it. And I've just found that it's easier for me to just trust my body and say like, oh, I've made this observation. This makes sense. And just kind of move on. <laughs> Well, that's huge. That's definitely very powerful. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> it sounds like you really are in a good place for being just in tune with your body. Yeah. And I, yeah, I feel like I've definitely, yes, gotten back to that. I still have some things to learn for sure. But just, yeah, just being in that place. So after I delivered this, uh, our last baby a few weeks ago, uh, my doula said, like, you seem to be really in tune with your body. And that was like the best compliment. And I just thought like, what if we could say that to young children instead of commenting on their food or how they're eating, like, just like kind of encourage that natural, like, wow, you seem to know your body well, and just kind of leave it yeah. at that. Like that would be a nice thing that. to say. Yeah. It would be transformational <laughs> for those children. Yeah. Cause then it just reinforces like, yeah, I am. That's kind of a superpower and I want to hang on to that. And yeah. Yeah. Like, good job. You stopped eating when you had enough. Right. Yes. Instead of <laughs> you have two more bites on your plate. Right. Eat those. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because that's, you know, more common. That's probably what kids are more likely to hear. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. And then you're like, all right, I better finish it. And that, that's what I always yeah, I was always having people encouraging me to eat more. Yes. Yeah. So I guess when you ask what's changed about feeding my children, that is one thing that I've been aware of because I kind of struggle with if they don't eat a great dinner and then they'll ask me for dessert, which for them is like five chocolate chips. But <laughs> I will say like I used to say like, no, you need to eat more before you have dessert, which doesn't make, you know, like fill up more before you eat more food. So I just realized I could just say, like, are you hungry or have you had enough? Are you sure? If you are, then you can have chocolate chips. And once they've had that dessert and they ask for more, then I can say, like, well, no, you've already finished eating. And then they can learn for themselves, like, oh, then I need to eat more food. Real food. I, real yeah. food. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Because we do we do want to encourage real food mm-hmm. versus filling up on the chocolate chips. But that's a great strategy. Yeah. Are you sure that you've had enough of your of your real food? And let them learn <laughs> on their on their own, hopefully. Yes. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. So is there anything that you struggle with personally? I know it might be hard to remember because it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> but with intermittent fasting in general, anything that you have struggled with? Let me think. I guess in the beginning, or not in the beginning, maybe the first, over the first year, I did a lot of tweaking and mm-hmm. I can't, I'm trying to remember exactly why. Maybe I just wasn't seeing the results I wanted or, but I'm not sure exactly what I was looking for. But in the beginning, I kind of saw that as a sign of failure or like I've done something wrong or that intermittent fasting wasn't working. Like you saw tweaking as like showing that like something was wrong. Yeah. Or if I just didn't have, or if I felt like I was just trying to find the right balance of how feeling best with a specific amount of food, you know, right. like if I ate too much and then in the next day I think, uh, maybe I maybe I opened my window too early or too late. Okay. That kind of thing. Or my window, that was usually a sign that something was about to change naturally. Like my window was going to get a little bit smaller or maybe for a while it did need to be a little bit bigger, especially during the pandemic when I knew I was a little bit more stressed out. Mm-hmm. I could change it a little bit during that time. So I finally just got to a place of this is part of the process. You don't just jump in and get it right perfectly. But the beauty of it is that you can totally trust that basically you can't go wrong because you are, you have that fasting period and like working for your, in your favor. So yes, you will be tweaking, but you're always doing, you're, you always are doing good for your body in that fasting period. So it's not the same as like being on a diet and like wondering, you know, not seeing the results and being stressed out. It's its just, it's different. It's a, I think of it as like intermittent fasting is a very safe place to experiment. Like you can't really oh, go that. off the rails. Like you, as long as you're within this boundary of fasting and feasting, then 
you can't go wrong, really. I love that. It's a safe place to experiment. Yeah. I love that. And and there's no, you know, there's no failing. There's just lessons. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn certain things along the way. You learn that, hey, I don't feel good when I do X, Y, Z. Or yeah. hmm, I feel better when I do this other thing. Or, huh, I had a day where I ate like for 10 hours and I ate a bunch of, you know, ultra processed food and I didn't feel good. Instead mm-hmm. of saying, oh, I fell off the wagon or, oh, I ruined everything. Think, well, I learned something important that day. Yeah. And the thing that I that really stood out to me in Delay Don't Deny, I just, I love the philosophy that I love that you incorporate it. You know, it's a mindset it and, is. and you make that very clear. And I think that is so helpful because I've just found that that mindset really transfers well into other areas of life, like I was saying, exercise and, but just even how I work. And so my online shop is my, the slogan for my shop is be the heroine of your life. And that's kind of, I knew you would, because it, it fits into like something about delay, don't deny it's like, you're writing the narrative, you're in control kind of thing. Like you're not a victim of food. And so it really, like things like that, just, it would overlap really well. And so at the time that I had around the time that I discovered intermittent fasting, I was working on this project with an author, friend of mine, her name is Lori Lee. And she had like flown into town so we could really nail down the details of this project we were working on. And it was about, so it's kind of turned into a podcast called Eat Like a Heroine. And I love it. I was really excited to get into this part. Yes. Eat Like a Heroine. <laughs> we're still recording the episodes right now. By the time this podcast comes out, it should be live and going strong. But it was like per- the perfect timing because, so it's about, this was before we either of us had even looked into intermittent fasting, but we were just curious about because my shop, Be the Heroine of Your Life, it's all like literary heroines, wall art, gift items for bookish people and kindred spirits is how I explain it. But like Anne of Green Gables, Jane Eyre, oh, Jane yeah. Austen characters, all that. So what's the actual web address for it? It's called carrottoppapershop.com. And that okay. will take you to my Etsy page. But um, so my author friend had um, writes about literary heroines. And so that's kind of how we connected. But we just started talking about like looking into all these food scenes and all of these classic books and just kind of looking at the role that food plays in literature. And in, even though they're fictional, they definitely still represented the worlds that they yeah. were written in. So it's such an enjoyable project. And in all of that, I found intermittent fasting and I told my friend Lori Lee about it and now she's doing it. And we're noticing all these like kind of similarities be- between the way we eat and the way that a lot of our literary heroines would eat. They didn't, they weren't eating around the clock. Have you, have you heard of the book, The Jane Austen Diet? I have not heard of okay. that. Well, it's, no. it's not actually a diet. So okay. it's don't let it lead you astray. It's I a, was like, what? No, okay. no, no, no. It's, it's more like, I wish it were called The Jane Austen Lifestyle because it's more, it's a really fun book. If you love like the Regency period or Jane Austen, then you would love it. And it's kind of, it's very tongue in cheek, kind of looking at like how we can look to Jane Austen's characters for health wisdom. And it's very timeless and very healthy, like mentally healthy. He points out that like so many of Jane Austen's characters do like the phrase like such and this character did such and such before breakfast. Like Mr. Bingley went to visit Mary, not Marianne, mixing up the characters, went to visit Jane before breakfast. Like that phrase is found a lot in her in her books. And then there was also a well-known doctor at the time in Jane Austen's lifetime where that he would say, like, you should stop eating two hours before bed. So he never used the phrase intermittent fasting, but he was just pointing out that Jane Austen's characters actually had a, a period of fasting that was longer yeah. than the average person today. And they benefited from that. And then they would wake up and like go take a walk before breakfast. And Before breakfast. I and know. that's so funny because, you know, in the modern world, with the, the modern advice Nobody's doing anything before breakfast. Like I oh, can yeah. remember one diet book I read that said, as soon as your feet hit the floor, you have 30 minutes. You must get your breakfast in before oh, that. Oh, my 30- goodness. I'm, I mean, I'm like, it was like stressful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Well, he was also pointing out just like for your circadian rhythms, like it's just good to be out in the sun and kind of get your body aligned. And I've heard that recently. Someone was talking about sleep and how important it is to have good vitamin D levels. And actually what I was hearing was vitamin D and melatonin kind of go hand in hand because mm-hmm. they, you get them both from early morning sunlight, like your body 
if, if you have low vitamin D, you probably also have low melatonin, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. Okay. And so that's why low vitamin D levels might be related to lack of sleep. It's not that the vitamin D makes you sleep better. It's that the melatonin does. But if it's easy to know what, what your vitamin D levels are doing. And you actually went around in circles with that. But the thing to do about it is get out in the early morning mm-hmm. and get out in the sun early because that helps you with your melatonin production. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Yeah, and 100 years ago, that would have been a very natural thing. You don't just like get up and stay inside your log cabin well, they didn't or even have like lights in there. You had <laughs> right. to go outside where the light was. Yeah, and do the chores. And yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. just, yeah. And just seeing the way that food was always such a joyful thing. It wasn't ever, you know, like, I don't know, Anne of Green Gables wasn't worried about how much pie she had for tea that day. No. And that just, it wasn't a thing. So just thinking about the history of all that and how we, like why things have changed. And I love to hear your thought on this. But my thought is that really started to change maybe like in the 50s when processed food started coming about. Yeah. You know, when people stopped cooking real food and preparing real food and it was more processed food. Mm -hmm. Like I know that in actually what's really funny, I've seen some advertisements from like the turn of the century, I'm talking about like the 1800s to 1900s, like being overweight was like for a while that they didn't like the ads were like, you want to plump up. Uh Like it was plumping you up. Like that was like a a plus. Yes. Yes. Being plump was a a feature you wanted. Right. Yes. Yes. (laughs) There's like some ad that's like, this will plump you up. Yes. Or they they use the phrase like dimples in your elbows. I hear that in classic literature. (laughs) Like Like that was a good thing. That was a good thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think so. And then it was later that being, you know, really, really thin started to be comprised. And again, it was, it was like, Later, as as we tr- we went along, yeah, the twentieth century, yeah. Then people started dieting, yeah, and then it became like this thing that you could only do if you had a lot of time and money. Like if you could yeah. afford all the supplements, if you could afford the time to go exercise every day, mm-hmm. and that's another thing that I love about intermittent fasting is that it doesn't require that you that you have that lifestyle. Like anyone can do it, it's and free. it's free. Yes. <laughs> Although they are trying to sell more and more products. I've seen (laughs) like these crazy intermittent fasting coffee. Do not buy that, everybody. (laughs) But why? Why would it It doesn't make any sense? Just get real coffee because they add stuff to it. Because see, here's the thing. What I have learned and realized is the supplement industry and all the stuff they can sell you, that has a giant profit margin. Oh, yeah. Supplements, especially Mm -hmm. huge profit margin. And so if they can convince you that you need these things, these supplements, or like if you drink this special coffee for your intermittent fasting, you're going to be fasting better. Really, black coffee is best for many, many reasons that I could go into. It doesn't break the fast. But the stuff they're adding does break the fast. But Mm -hmm. they're not going to get rich selling you regular coffee because you could buy that anywhere. Right. So they have to come up with a gimmick that you yeah. think you need. Yes. Yeah. And that's why like looking back into my life and thinking like intermittent fasting was 
really something I didn't know that how much I needed. And then just thinking about all of the things, all the messages that I was inundated with, not mm-hmm. even really a part of the diet culture. I mean, I I wasn't really in that world. And yet I still heard all of these lies, like yeah. all of these bad messages that made me question, that make all of us question our natural intuition. So it's just, it's kind of, it's, you know, be the heroine. Don't, you're not the victim. I don't blame society for that, but it's, it's just a fact. Of- well, it's hard because it comes in into your ears and you're hearing it and you're seeing it and you're internalizing the message. Even like for me, when I didn't need to lose any weight when I was in high school, but I was watching my mom and listening. And so then my 11th grade computer science project was a calorie counter. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like I wasn't counting calories at the time. I was still really slim, but that was my computer project. I was learning to program. I'm yeah. actually pretty proud that when I was, it was 1984, uh-huh. <laughs> I was taking a computer programming class yeah. in BASIC. BASIC was the computer programming language we used. And we were writing computer programs. And that was like my best class. Yeah. Wow. You were I, was the, I was great at that. I, was, uh-huh. but I don't know. I didn't feel like it was something girls could do. It's still, it didn't seem like a job yes. for me. Yeah. Oh, wow. How things have changed. <laughs> they have. They have. Like, I wonder yes. if, if it were modern times now, like if I were growing up now, if yeah. I would have thought, I'm really good at this, I would like to do it. But I also really wanted to be a teacher. That's That's kind of my person. So, yeah. I don't think I settled for being a teacher. I always wanted to be a teacher. So I'm still, I'm the heroine of a the teacher story. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that art behind you? Or are those your drawings? Yeah. So it started with when my first daughter was born, I made a banner. I wanted a banner of my favorite book characters in her nursery. So that's how it all started. And yeah, those are a few of them. <laughs> and so if people go to your Etsy store, tell, tell them the name of it again. Carrot Top Paper Shop. Carrot Top is a nod to Anne of Green Gables. Okay. The redhead. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of things do you have there? It's just like prints for these heroin banners that I have. Lots of quotes from literature and like coffee mugs and other like bookmarks. Just I'm really into sending snail mail. I just think that makes the world a happier yeah. place. So it is fun. It is. It's so fun. So I have a lot of like note cards and personal stationery and things like that. That's one thing I've really had when we're downsizing now and I'm having, I still was like, I need this paper. I need it. I'm like, well, I haven't used those note cards in five years. Oh, I'm like, but I need, they're so pretty. I know. And it's, yeah, it's just fun to have that little collection of, yeah, when you do sit I down love to write a note cards. Yep. When I need to write a note to someone, I love to pull out one that's really pretty mm-hmm. and fancy and expensive. And literally, <laughs> it would probably be cheaper to write on a dollar bill instead of two. Oh, yeah, it's true. But no, it's not. There's something to be said about pretty like creative. It's just it takes a different part of the brain. It's not a text message. You get to be playful and creative and just in a way that you never, yeah, you don't normally have in other areas of your life. Yeah. And so you've you've written a book as well? Yes, we're working on it. Yeah. Okay. We have, we're trying to find the right publisher. But so right now it's more of a podcast thing. Okay. Yep. All right. So you have a title for it? Eat Like a Heroine is the same. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Same as your podcast. Yes. That's going to be great. Yeah. You know, I'm fascinated by that. It's, what other what other pearls of wisdom? I don't want you to give away everything in the podcast, <laughs> but anything else just super interesting that we would like to hear about that? Because I'm fascinated the whole idea of eating like a heroine. Yeah. So one thing, I don't know if you're familiar with these studies or not, but I've seen a couple mm. of studies that talk about the benefits of eating foods that you like, that you actually get more nutritional absorption when you are eating foods that you enjoy with people that you enjoy. <laughs> That's so interesting. I, I don't know that I've ever, I may have come across it. That sounds very blue zones to me, like the kind of stuff that they would be studying over, you know, in those regions. But oh yeah, it, I don't doubt it. Yeah. Well, it just makes you wonder... I don't know, because we just have it in our brains that like eating a salad by yourself in front of a screen is better for you than eating pancakes around a table with a group of friends. You know, like if you had to say, like, which one's healthier? But really, I mean, when you think about just the happiness aspect of it and like what's that doing for your mental health? And especially if you're intermittent fasting, have the pancakes. Yeah. So, yeah, just and that was like food was such a a huge part of hospitality. It still is. But there's Mm -hmm. just kind of a little more fear associated with it. Whereas back in when all the, a lot of these classics were being written, they're just, it was just, I don't know, like in Secret Garden, they would eat. Oh, uh, I like, love that book. I do too. Oh, it was so good. I read it, reading it as an adult, like even better than Oh, I when need to I go back kid. and read it as an adult. You should. You would, it won't let you down. 
I need to. Okay. Yes, do it. I need to read the children's classics on the beach <laughs> this it. summer there when I'm there. I also want to read A Little Princess again. Oh, I, oh man, yes. That's my very favorite. I love, yeah, it's the same author. Yeah. I, I, that's, yes. I knew that. Yeah, I remembered. Frances, Hod- Frances Hodginson's Burnett? Yes. Hodgson. What's her middle name? Hodgson, Hodgson, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but in both of those books, yeah, Little Princess, we pulled a lot from there. She's very- Sarah. Sarah She's a great Sarah heroine. Crew. Sarah Crew. I yes. love her. Yeah. I was I trying know. to tell Will about it. Like, I was talking to Will about this. I can't remember why. About like her dad, and he was in India. Uh-huh. I can't remember. We were talking about something cultural. I don't. Yes, know. I was trying to explain. Maybe why the British eat so much curry. That might. Have been the there you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, funny. and, and it came, came full up. around to the little princess exactly. But, but back to the food. Sorry. No, that's okay. Yeah, we're well, just like in the secret garden. They're enjoying. Like they just take roasted potatoes out to the garden and eat those together. And it's like this beautiful moment of just really enjoying something so simple in this childlike manner in this beautiful garden that wow. represents their personal growth. Like that's that's something you don't pick up as a kid when you're reading it. No. But just how it mirrors. She just does such a beautiful job of showing how, yeah, this character in the beginning is this whiny brat kind of unlikable character. And then as the garden is growing and she's learning to think about people other than herself, she um, develops into this flourishing character. But there's a lot of food in it and a lot of to do about, yeah, she has a lot to say about mental health and how thinking positively is just as good for your health as eating nutritious food. So in that way, she's kind of ahead of her time. And yeah, there are just so many gems in all of these books that once you once you start like actively looking for them, it's just kind Mm -hmm. of overwhelming how many there are. Well, I'm going to have to read them through different eyes. Yes. Yeah. Through a food lens. Yeah. And, you know, I also think about the fact that we, we learn a lot about a book reading it aloud to people. Like, mm-hmm. if you, do, you, do you read aloud to your daughter yes. and your, your other kids? Like, I read aloud, but like to my, my children, but yeah, I was reading more boy things. Like, I did not read A Secret Garden to Cal and Will when they were yeah. little. I, I don't know why. You, yeah, there's a, I mean, one of the main characters is a boy. <laughs> why but didn't yeah. I? I don't know. I, I do remember one time having some book study groups in my classroom, and the boys were like fascinated by Little House on the Prairie. Oh, yeah. And I'd always thought of that as a girl book. Uh huh. But the boys loved it. Yeah. I mean, so many adventures. Yeah, we draw a lot from Little House on the Prairie, too. Yeah. yeah. Every time I read those books, I always crave, like, pancakes and refried beans. <laughs> 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 or cornbread. Or, like, you know, that's yeah, the that I remember they did the some fire. weird things with pigs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. They had the hog killing and they're eating the little pig parts. Like, yeah. I don't know, like the tail or something. Yeah, I yeah, I know what you're talking. I don't know if you, it's, it's weird. I can say it, but. <laughs> like, they cooked the tail and they burned their fingers on the pig tail eating. The, I don't know. Oh, I, I just remember mm. that. Sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. And the maple, I remember them doing something with maple syrup in the snow. Yeah, just had a, a lot, yeah, a lot more interaction with the food they were eating too. I think that made a huge difference. We're not familiar yeah. with that as much now. No, we're not. Well, I'm just going to vow right now that when I have grandkids, I'm going to read the same books to the boys and the girls. Oh, perfect. There you go. <laughs> yes. Excited. I don't know. As a teacher, you come in with your whole like, this is a girl book, this is a boy book, and really... Well, it's often how they're marketed too. I mean, they well, have like girlier true. covers, and which is mm-hmm. unfortunate because yeah, so many yeah, so many would just work just as well for the boys. Absolutely. Well, that this has been just a really fascinating conversation. Because <laughs> <laughs> children's literature, of course, you can't be an elementary teacher and not yes. love children's literature. But it got to the point. This will make you really sad. This was when I knew it was time for me to quit teaching. Like we were not allowed to do things like have a read aloud time in our classrooms. It wasn't like a scheduled part of the day. Uh-huh. Like I always like to come in from lunch. After lunch, we would, you know, when I was a regular classroom teacher and I, I liked when I had my own classroom all the time instead of like all the class switching. Even in elementary school, they were switching classes all the time by the end because people could like specialize and whatever. But I like having my own class and I'll just teach them everything. And that was my favorite. And we would come back from lunch and I'm like, all right, everybody, they would sit on the floor and lay around and I would read aloud for, I don't know, 20 minutes, yeah, 30 minutes, I don't know, until we felt like we'd had enough. And <laughs> then you weren't allowed to do that anymore because that was not like on the curriculum or something. What? That's terrible. That's such no. a huge part of, yeah. Don't you remember being in elementary school and your teacher reading aloud and it was amazing? Yeah, I still remember. Yeah, I homeschooled a lot of my childhood. But I remember in first grade, I went to a private school and I remember so many of the specific books that my teacher read. Like I'll still pull them off the shelf and be like, oh, I remember like when I first read this. And And they're probably school systems that aren't as regimented as ours was, but they were very much like one of the schools in our county 
one of the principals said, if I'm in your classroom and go next door to your neighbor's classroom, you should be on the same page at the same time doing the same thing. I'm like, oh, my Lord, no. That sounds impossible. <laughs> I got to go. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> I was a gifted teacher by that point. So that was good. I had freedom. But, oh, OK. You know, I want to lay on the floor with children and read to them for 30 minutes. That's it's one of my favorite <laughs> things to do as a mom. I just I love it. Absolutely. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I would say that I don't the most helpful thing for me, I think, was to think of it as a mindset. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like it was like I'd finally gotten on the right train and I could sit back and there were like I was I could just know that I, the train tracks were headed in the right direction. It doesn't mean that it's just easy from here on out and that I won't have to, you know, I'm not going to learn things along the way and figure out how I need to tweak things. But just having that safety net of feeling like I'm headed in the right direction. And like I was saying earlier, just, yeah, a safe place to experiment. And just knowing that you can trust your body again, that our bodies are a gift and they're on our team is just, it's kind of countercultural. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's a really nice feeling that transfers into every other area of your life and gives it, it really all yes yeah, yeah benefits every area of your life well i love that well jenny thank you so much this has just been a pleasure thank you so much jen i'm so glad that you wrote your books and that you're doing well what you're thank doing. you and, yeah. i'm loving it i yes. have the happiest life i know you do <laughs> <laughs> i do it's so great <laughs> do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.